Blog Talk Radio. Facebook page. 
So be sure to be up to date on our Facebook. Head over there, like us, tell your friends to like us. Again, it is Facebook.com slash The Kennedy Show. Check us out on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at The Ken Reedy Show. Again, Twitter is at The Ken Reedy Show. So check us out over there. If your tweeting is your thing. And as always, you can check out our website, listen to the show, check out the blog, check out the pictures, check us out on thecanreadyshow.com. That is our website. We hope you're all enjoying us tonight as we are live, live, giving you the best in pro wrestling talk. But if you happen to be listening to us pre-recorded, well, then maybe you're listening to us. You're probably listening to us on B-plus Players Radio Network, the brainchild of one Mark Adam Haggerty that keeps B-plus players going. Check us out over there. Lots of great shows. You got hosts like, you know, wrestling guys who are, who are working in the industry. You got workers in the industry. Lots of different types of podcasts. Lots, lots of different opinions. Uh, lots of different points of view on the wrestling landscape. So head on over to B Plus Players Radio Network. Check out all the great shows that are over there on B Plus Players. So many things to get through when we're doing the 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 inventory in the beginning, the housekeeping, if you will. But it's time to get into the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty. We're gonna we are gonna give you some stuff tonight that you are not gonna hear on any other podcast when it comes to wrestling. Our take is where you wanna be. And when we get when we get into this, there's no no one on the planet that I could that could help me make the heads or tails that help me make sense of the world of pro wrestling, like my tag team partner who's on the line from Connecticut. Let's get him on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Wow, that's that's quite the introduction. Uh, very humbling, I might add. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm it's it's great to be back and talking pro wrestling, and especially this uh, everything on the table type of episode with everything we got going on the past week. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to sitting down and chitting the chat with you on what's going on in the world of pro wrestling, and I hope all of you listening out there can come along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. And this is one of those weeks where, like, geez, what do we start with first? And, and you know, honestly, I wanted to start with, with the Ric Flair 30 for 30 that, I, you know, I thought was – and it's amazing. Like, to be honest with you, I thought it was good. I thought it was a real good program. I, I'm not going to go gaga over it. There wasn't a lot that I didn't know about already. It was interesting to see Rick talking about a lot of things because and, – and I think it's up to you. And, again, give us a call, 347-838-9815. Um, your thoughts, because, I mean, I put up on the show description tonight that I, I actually asked the question, you know, was this a documentary on the greatest of all time, or is this a portrait of a broken man? And I don't know. I, I don't know how you look at the Ric Flair 30 for 30, because, um, I mean, and, and full disclosure, I'm a Hogan guy. I'm still going to put Hogan as the best ever, even though Hogan on the 30 for 30 said, said, admitted, you know, Flair is 10 times better than he is. Still putting Hogan in the top spot. You hate me? Call me. Let's go at it. I ain't afraid. Um, that being said, like when I ranked 
greatest wrestlers of all time, I kind of generally go the one in a one A when it comes with Hogan and, and Ric Flair. Um, but there's a lot of the documentary that um, I think you can go a little bit deeper than just, uh, you know, kind of blowing smoke in, in, in the direction of Ric Flair just being the greatest ever. Um, you know, he talked a lot about Reed, uh, the death of his son. Um, at the end of the documentary, he does say that uh, almost like, it's, and I'm paraphrasing, but that he says that he'll settle for being the best wrestler ever because he definitely wasn't the best father and definitely wasn't the best husband of all time. Um, and, I, and I thought that was that was a, a bit eye-opening. And if I, if I give ESPN any credit, it's not so much for some of the info because I've heard a lot of the stories before, but it was, it was having Flair himself there at this stage in his life that he kind of, on, on a lot of levels, he's a broken man. Uh, you can tell that he's living vicariously through Charlotte right now. Um, I thought it was intriguing that Charlotte was on the documentary and basically said that what she's doing is Reed's dream, that it was never hers, um, that she's basically living it out for him as a tribute to him, which I found eye-opening. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of like, a lot of layers when you look at Ric Flair's career and you analyze everything he's done. Um, and I know Dave, you're you're quite the historian, and you have a much better memory than I, I do. When we look at the history of pro wrestling, um, obviously Ric Flair is is a is a subject that's rich um, and and worth exploring as far as the the, the partying and being able to perform at the level that he was able to perform and party at the level he was able to party at. The one thing that I found intriguing um, with the Flair, I shouldn't say the one thing, but one thing that struck me was when you hear some of the stories with Flair and Flair says that over the course of his career, he probably slept with 10,000 women. Um, and that's, look, that's good work if you can get it. Um I find it intriguing right now with the climate of our country and where we're at and where the Harvey Weinstein scandal has kind of it like that scandal was not something that happened and that was isolated. Now it seems like a dam has broken and it it is intriguing to me and I hope it doesn't happen and I don't want to see Ric Flair's name uh, dragged through the mud. But again, on this show, we're willing to tackle the serious issues. We're going to come at it. We're going to come at it. We're going to be unbiased. We're not going to sugarcoat things. And it, it did strike me that, you know, when Ric Flair talks about getting on an airplane and coming out of the bathroom wearing his robe and nothing else and revealing himself to everybody, um, it kind of struck a chord with me that, well, ESPN is doing this documentary and in this documentary, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're glorifying it, but they're, they're kind of portraying it as, oh, this practical joke, which maybe that's how it should be portrayed. Maybe, that, you know, maybe some of the stuff that's going on in this country is hypersensitive. I'm willing to look at both sides of things, and I'm not voicing necessarily where I feel either way. I'm just saying that I do think it's intriguing that with Ric Flair's documentary, like, are we going to have women come out of the woodwork now with, with Rick? Are there going to be women that are going to be coming out and saying, you know, hey, I didn't want to ride Space Mountain, but 
Rick kind of was, was pushing the issue. Um, it just was intriguing as you look at, like, you know, sometimes we look at wrestling in a bubble, and as, as the world unfolds the way it's unfolding, and the way, you know, now since the dam was broken in Hollywood, it seems like every day. Today, we're here, or I think it was last night, we started hearing about Richard Dreyfus. We've heard about Louis C.K. Um, that now Hollywood is, is rich with scandal of, of men who are kind of using their position of power in a way to, to facilitate whether it's intercourse or just sexual favors. Um, and, and I'm not saying... I'm not giving an opinion either way. I, I'm saying that right now the climate of our country is it's a borderline witch hunt that we're trying to find, all right, who, who's the next guy? Let's look at who else engaged in sexual misconduct. And I found it intriguing when I was watching this documentary that was put out by ESPN, ESPN who, who should consider themselves a news entity who would be part of this whole dynamic of breaking stories that um, I'm hoping that this is isolated. I'm hoping that this documentary occurs and we don't have Ric Flair's name dragged through the mud. However, when you're a guy who is claimed to, woo, ride Space Mountain, woo, and you're claiming 10,000 women, you start to wonder, well, geez, if, if, if he was doing this, are we going to hear, like, women coming out of the woodwork? And – Again, I would love to get your take. Three four three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Are we hypersensitive as a society? Is this getting out of hand? Or are we cleaning up our society? Are we finally shining the spotlight on those offenders? You know, where do you where do you fall as far as these issues? And when I see something like the Ric Flair documentary, unfortunately there's part of me and I'll admit it, when I hear the story about him wearing just a robe and flashing everybody on an airplane. Yeah, I laughed. It's, it's Ric Flair. It's the nature boy. Styling and profiling. There's no other way to look at it. But in today's climate, there was part of me that had to say, hey, wait a second. You know, is this something that could potentially be vilified? Is this something that could actually, in, in the next, in the weeks and months to come, hurt Ric Flair? Um, or is this just going to be something where it's a documentary, we told the story, it's stories that have been told for years, and it's all said and done, and that's it. Maybe I'm being hypersensitive myself. Maybe it's something that doesn't need to be brought to light. But, you know, Dave, when I looked at it, I, I mean, you know, stories of Ric Flair's conquest are legendary, and it just struck me mainly because of, you know, we've heard it for years, mainly because of the climate in this country right now so it did it did kind of strike me like you know what what may we see coming forward post this documentary full disclosure i did not catch the espn 30 30 documentary on rick flair um i heard good things about it i heard too many good things about it and that's just from biased wrestling fans um so like you there's a lot that i didn't really there's a lot that i knew about flair that from what I understand that took place in this documentary, we heard that and then just, you know, then some, some little things that have never been, you know, open to the public before about him and his life. Um, you make a great point um, as a society and what's going on today with this trend of sexual allegations towards, um, you know, uh, 
high-profile uh, celebrities in Hollywood, uh, the timing of this documentary, would we see something like this with Flair? I'll be honest with you. It would not surprise me if something like this took place, considering the timing. You know, you, you, you made a great point that as wrestling fans, we have a tendency to live in a bubble. And I just took that word bubble right there. And then as you were discussing this even further, you had mentioned that, um, you know, tar- are we going to tarnish the name of Ric Flair? And I took those two things after you said that. And as I was listening to your dissertation about Flair, it kind of struck with me that, in a re- it, all these stories about Flair and his sexual escapades in previous years, with all due respect, they get glorified by biased wrestling fans. But people that live outside of that wrestling bubble in everyday world in the everyday world will look at it as as distasteful. And with all due respect to Ric Flair, and I'm a big Ric Flair fan. I love the guy and for what he's done over the years in the industry. He, it's it. it, it with all due respect, his sexual escapades, he's kind of tarnishing his own name if all these stories are true, okay? I've heard plenty of stories about him um, through professional wrestlers, firsthand accounts, as well as hearing stuff. I, I listened to uh, Tony, Schia- Tony Schiavone's podcast, and Flair tells a, or he told a, a, a very interesting story about Flair, and he was in Flair's hotel room one night, and all Flair had on was just the robe, and... Uh, Goldust's ex-wife, Terry Runnels, who was working for WCW at the time as a makeup lady, uh, was curious about Ric Flair's, uh, the, the site of Space Mountain, and she got to see it firsthand. Um, his sexual escapades have been spoken about in a very tongue-in-cheek type manner, whether it be from other people or from Flair himself. Um, so to, to, to put a bow on this, this subject, so to speak, at least from my point of view, I hope we don't see, you know, women coming out of the woodwork kind of, you know, in like it, like it's been going on in today's society with the celebrities and, 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 you know, going after flair, whether it be monetarily or whatever the case may be in a legal manner. And, you know, that's, that's that for me. Like I said, I can't really speak on the, the documentary because I didn't get, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I hope to watch it this week. It's been a busy week for me, but um, you make some great points, Ken, and like I said, you know, I think looking at this from two different sides, you, you can look at it as a, as a wrestling fan, but you also have to look at it outside of that wrestling bubble as well, and I, I thought you brought up some great points about this subject at hand. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting, and we do, and, and, I, and I think that, like, you know, and, and I think everybody does, depending on where you know, what you happen to be a fan of or what, I mean, we, we all live in, in our own bubbles. We live in, in different bubbles at times and you're right. And, I, and, and there's probably wrestling fans that would, would like literally, and I get it. You know, people call you out, oh, you're a hypocrite, double standard, whatever. But we all look, we all have double standards. We're all hypocrites at some point in our lives. And I'm sure there are wrestling fans out there. Like you're saying, Dave, that for years, for decades, we've looked at Ric Flair and we've glorified all this stuff. And I'm not, and I'm honestly, I'm not saying that's wrong. I, I think that there's, there's, there's room for conversation on, you know, what is legitimately harassment and what legitimately is people having some fun, uh, what 
crosses the line into something that's inappropriate and what is, you know, boys being boys and people horsing around. And, and, and there's room for debate there. And I think, you know, to me, that's part of the problem with our society right now is that people don't want to have the feel one way and they don't want to look at both sides. And, and that's where I found the Ric Flair thing kind of intriguing because I can see both sides. And if there's a woman that comes down and says, you know, Ric Flair was, was sexually inappropriate with me, I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to believe her or buy into it, but I'm not not going to believe her because I'm a wrestling fan. I, I think we've gotten to a point in our society that, you know, we, we can't look at both sides anymore. People just want to choose a side. And, and wrestling fans will generally glorify what Ric Flair has done. Um, and even Ric Flair in the documentary will chuckle at certain things um, where, you know, where exactly is this going to fall as far as um, our society and, and where we're at? You know, I am, I am in full agreement that no whim, woman should ever feel threatened or harassed or, or mistreated in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, are we seeing the, the, the uh, coming of, like, kind of a witch hunt? Um, you know, is, is, are, you know, is every guy that's been accused of sexual misconduct a predator? I don't know. I don't know. And that's why I think that there's room for discussion here. Um, but I, I do think it's intriguing. And what I think is more intriguing, Dave, is, you know, to me, and, and this is going, and look, sexual harassment, any woman that, that, that's attacked, mistreated, harassed in any way, that, that, is, that is a serious topic. And I don't mean to demean it in any way as we kind of, because this is a wrestling show and we're talking wrestling. What I find intriguing is, with this show and with this documentary, now we have we have a situation that, in, in my opinion, my opinion, that I think that there has been a movement over the years to make sure that Ric Flair, as far as the WWE, and we know like guys like Triple H, they're Ric Flair guys, and I and I do sincerely believe that there's been a movement with the WWE to make sure that history shows that Ric Flair is the greatest of all time and not Hulk Hogan. And at this point in time, with everyone knows the Hulk Hogan scandal, that he's basically been pulled out of WWE history. In fact, the WWE shop this week, some new NWO shirts. And if you go to the page with the NWO shirt, you see a picture of Paul and Nash. That if you knew nothing about pro wrestling and you went to WWE shop and you wanted to buy yourself an NWO shirt, you would think the NWO was a tag team hall match. So there, there's been kind of this, this, since the Hulk Hogan scandal, to kind of erase him from history. What happens? What happens with the Ric Flair legacy as far as the WWE? Will the WWE, if something comes to fruition, are, are they going to be forgiving and kind of leave the Ric Flair legacy alone? Will, will the WWE, I mean, nothing. Look, again, this documentary, some of his conquests, this, the, the um, story on the airplane with Ric Flair wearing nothing but the robe, it was out on the documentary. No backlash from WWE brass. 
Um, and I'm not saying there necessarily should be. Saying is that the WWE, and we, we've talked about this before, but to me the WWE kind of entered a slippery slope when they decided to pick and choose and, and be the morality police in, in the world, in the history of pro wrestling, and, and pull out a Hulk Hogan, pull out a Jimmy Snuka when things outside of the world of pro wrestling occur. And, and I do wonder that if something were to happen, if someone was to come forward as far as Ric Flair and, and the scandal, what would the WWE do? And, and Dave, to me, that's like the most intriguing, you know, the most intriguing kind of factor is like, and, and I hope it doesn't, but if someone comes out and, and like, and Ric Flair is accused of misconduct, we're going to, like, as far as WWE history, like, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair never existed. That would be crazy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. After you just made that point, I'm kind of surprised that Flair is, I don't even know if he's employed, would you say he's employed by WWE? I think he's under some kind of contract with them. I'm surprised that WWE, knowing these stories of Flair's sexual escapades, didn't prevent this thir- that portion of, the subject to, to, to air in the 30 for 30 um, or, or that at least maybe they encouraged flair to encourage the, the filmmakers to leave that part out of the documentary. I'm kind of surprised that, that, and maybe, maybe they did do that. Who knows? But um, you make a great point because I think that they handle everything on a case by case basis when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, if you think about it, the Hogan situation with the racial slur two years ago, two years ago, that was like the beginning of around that time. That was the beginning when, you know, there were issues with race and police brutality and things that were, were, were going on in our country that eventually affected, you know, the, the election and everything. I'm not going to get into politics, but I'm just going by what I've seen in the news. Okay. That, that's that sort of stuff right there, the racial tension that was going on in our country that to some degree is still going on today, the Hogan issue, they needed to button that up real quick. Now, as far as the Jimmy Snuka issue, I don't remember if they removed him from the Hall of Fame or not, like on their listing. I know that like they didn't take take down any of his footage on the network like they did with Hogan. Like they blocked out any kind of searches of Hulk Hogan on the WWE network. I don't believe they did so with Snuka, and I think that was handled differently because he was dying. I mean, he was he was on his he was on death's door at that point. So I think I really couldn't tell you what how they would handle the situation if one or more multiple women come forward making allegations of sexual assault by Ric Flair. I really don't know. I mean, it. it to be quite honest with you, if more than one woman came forward and said Ric Flair, you know, propositioned me in an in a, in a inappropriate way, sexually assaulted me, whatever the case is, and we've got all these Hollywood um, celebrities that are being accused of sexual assault that's been taking place in the news this week, I'll be quite honest with you, I think WWE would hit that panic button and say, all right, he's out of the Hall of Fame. Anything that's got to do with Ric Flair, we remove all mentions of him for the time being until this thing gets blown over. Yeah, it's a, it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing to debate. And, and again, you know, I, I I think it's important to when we talk on the show, like, you know, we'll, we'll tackle the serious issues here. And I, 
I, I, I'm not saying either side is correct, and I'm not. I, I don't mean to to speculate. Like honestly, I don't feel one way or the other. I, I just think it's interesting to to put it out there because we have it, and I don't know. I don't know the answer. Are we wrong as wrestling fans? I mean, we all. And and I got to admit, I'm watching the documentary, and they actually had an animated reenactment of of Flair revealing himself on the airplane. I chuckled. I got to be honest. Is, is it wrong? Am I wrong? Are we wrong in a society? Is it something that the wrestling locker room has a totally different set of morals and, and we can't judge them based on society's morals? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I, I and, and I think, honestly, in our society right now, you know, we, we paint things in such a broad brush that, that things are black and white, things are right or wrong, and I don't necessarily think that that's a way to look at any issue. I think we need to look at things more of let's have a conversation. And and for me and for us on the show right now, that's what we're doing. We're having a conversation. And I would love to hear your take on things. Uh, you know, is society hypersensitive? Is this ridiculous? Are we absolutely wrong in even bringing this subject up, or are we are we right? Is Ric Flair an offender? Should Ric Flair be punished? Are you hoping that women come forward? Again, I don't know what the right answer is, but we, I would love to hear from you guys out there. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We had a caller on the line; he had dropped. We're going to get the calls after the break, so if you want to call, excuse me, but. I would love to hear everyone's take on what do you think? What is this a serious issue? This is something that's not just wrestling based. It's society based. What do you think? What's wrong or right? Where do you stand on this? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Give us a call. Post on the Facebook page. Let us know your thoughts. But right now, it's time for, we do it at this time each and every week. It's time for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the most comprehensive news segment in the pro wrestling podcast game today, the Day 5 50-50 News Report, only heard at the top of the hour right here at the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Now, before I get into this week's top stories, don't forget to follow B-Plus Players Radio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find us, like us, or follow us to be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast network in the business today. More importantly... B-Plus Players Radio is where you can find this show each and every week. Catch the replay of our live Sunday shows, dropping it late Sunday evening, possibly early Monday morning. If it's not available, then send your thoughts and concerns in a timely manner, and politely, may I add, to the one-man B-Plus player self-promotion machine, Mr. Modest himself, Mark Adam Haggerty, who also hosts his very own show, the flagship podcast of B-Plus, The Outsider's Edge. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to B-Plus Players Radio right now and see what I'm talking about. The pro wrestling podcast game is rapidly evolving, and we'd like for you to be a part of it with us at B-Plus Players Radio. And now that I got that out of the way, it's off stories. Kicking things off this week, Ken mentioned it at the top of the show, the story that has the wrestling world abuzz is the announcement that Chris Jericho will face New Japan Pro Wrestling's IWGP United States Champion, the cleaner, Kenny Omega, on January 4th, 2018 at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom 12. This news came during an Omega post-match promo claiming nobody could beat him and there wasn't any competition left. 
Following that, the lights went out. And on the video screen was Jericho holding an 8x10 of Omega, challenging him to the much-anticipated matchup. Allegedly, this match has been in the works dating back to August as Jericho reached out to New Japan Pro Wrestling English color commentator Don Callis, who is friends with Omega, and a dialogue between the two had begun. Jericho then met with New Japan officials in their New York City offices, and terms to a deal were finalized. Twitter insults recently between Jericho and Omega began speculation that this match would take place much later, and more specifically, at Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Cruise, which is set to set sail in the fall of 2018. But as of now, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom will get first dibs on Jericho Omega. Reports out also indicate that WWE Chairman Vince McMahon gave Jericho his blessing on the match, as conflicting rumors surfaced claiming WWE was not aware of this match going down and were none too happy about it. But that doesn't seem to be the case. According to numerous wrestling media outlets, Jericho's match with Omega is set to be a one-and-done type of deal. But as we always say in the wrestling business, never say never. In regards to a return to WWE, the Wrestling Observer reports that Jericho is expected to return just in time for the Monday Night Raw 25th anniversary show in January not too long after his Wrestle Kingdom 12 match with Kenny Omega. My second story this week, we got lots of changes going down with Impact Wrestling, so please bear with me as I know you all love to read about the never-ending cycle of drama with the former TNA. First, here's a list of individuals who are no longer with the company. Taryn Terrell, referees Earl Hebner, Brian Hebner, and Brian Stifler. Bram, Rockstar Spud. Robbie E., Jesse Goddard, Impact Wrestling Chief Financial Officer, Dean Broadhead, Eddie Kingston, Marsh Rockett, Reno Scum, Low Key, Jeff Jarrett, and James Storm. The story making the rounds is that Anthem is looking to cut costs and have either decided not to renew certain deals or the talents previously mentioned had turned down reduced contracts and decided to part ways with the organization. Jeff Jarrett, from the most notable releases, is currently checked into a WWE-sponsored rehab facility to deal with substance abuse. The Hebner's departures come after the company opted not to use them for the Bound for Glory pay-per-view in Canada and went with local Canadian referees. Rockstar's Spud's release actually came in September after a working visa issue that was never resolved from the Dixie Carter era. Spud is rumored to be signing with WWE and joining the 205 Live roster. James Storm, who's been with the company literally since day one, announced his departure at the recent TV tapings this past week. As his contract is set to expire in January, and the company wouldn't be running any live events or TV tapings until the new year. Allegedly, his decision to leave was for multiple reasons unknown to us at this time, but many speculate that Storm, like many other talents, was asked to take a pay cut, and he decided to part ways with Impact Wrestling. Now, with these departures, the company has made some welcome additions as seen at this past weekend's Bound for Glory. Former WWE writer Jimmy Jacobs, former NXT star Sammy Callahan, made their debuts for the company and look to be full-time members of the roster moving forward. In regards to Jacobs, he looks to be playing double duty as he is rumored to be working in an on-screen managerial role and behind-the-scenes producing matches and backstage segments. Following up from that, my third story this week, it looks as if a new era in Impact Wrestling is upon the wrestling world, yet again for the hundredth time, as the company is making geographical changes to the wrestling operations. Anthem announced to their employees that they will be consolidating the Nashville offices with the Anthem headquarters located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 
There is no word as of right now if any of the Nashville employees will make the transition or if they have been relieved of their duties. But needless to say, the company is planting their flag in the Great White North. At the recent TV tapings in Ottawa this past week, Jeremy Borash announced to the live crowds that Impact Wrestling will be basing their operations in Canada moving forward. The company plans to tape television and hold live events around Canada with hopes that a new setting will revitalize the brand. More change in the creative setting as Scott Demore will oversee the creative decisions for the company's television moving forward. Demore recently reached out to Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling to discuss potential working relationships in an effort to help impact wrestling during their rebranding process. Both Ring of Honor and New Japan look to be leery of a working relationship as both parties' prior working relationships with Impact ended on bad terms. But Demore and Anthem are looking to repair that if they were to agree to work together again in the future. And if that's not enough, Anthem hired a casting company based out of Ottawa to hire extras to attend this past week's television tapings. The going rate to be paid to attend the Impact TV tapings was $150 Canadian. And that's about all I got for this week's turbulent gossip from Impact Wrestling. Rapper Sean Diddy Combs shook up the pro wrestling community this past week when he announced that he was legally changing his name to Brother Love. Upon hearing this news, the wrestling world spoke out against this move as the only Brother Love that will remain as such is, well, you know, Bruce Pritchard. Due to the fan backlash, Diddy announced via Instagram that he doesn't want to confuse anyone and that he will not be changing his name to Brother Love. Rather, that is just one of his alter egos friends close to him referred to him as. Pritchard himself spoke out about this spiraling news story, questioning Combs' motives behind the change, and then performed his own rap version of Mo Money, Mo Problems. And no, this story is not a result of a slow news week, I promise. And my final story this week, Ring of Honor announced plans to launch an over-the-top streaming service network. The service will be available online, as well as for mobile apps on Android and iOS operating systems. The content is also going to be made available for Roku with Apple TV and Android TV. Ring of Honor CEO Joe Koff revealed plans to stream non-televised live events to fans who pay to be a part of a price point system called the Honor Club, a strategy that was tested at the recent Global Wars Tour, resulting in success from an accessibility standpoint as well as overall viewing quality. Goff indicated that this may also include streaming traditional pay-per-views for a trial period before phasing that out and offering these events as part of a standard package. Price points and a date for a launch haven't been revealed as of right now, but from what I understand, sometime in the first quarter of 2018, we should expect a launch with the service. Fellas, it's time to step up your game. It's time you stop giving us, wrestling fans, a bad name. It's time you start growing up while still being able to maintain your pro wrestling fandom. And the solution for all you single wrestling fans, door decor. Custom wreaths, signs, or any other home decor could add personality to one's cozy living quarters, even if it's your parents' basement. It may, in fact, impress that lucky someone you've been eyeballing for quite some time now. Door decor could show your sensitive side and make those potential damsels in distress forget about your wrestling action figure collection you hold so near and dear. Not sure what you're looking for? Or do you have a special theme in mind? Maybe a pro wrestling theme. Maybe not a pro wrestling theme. Whatever it is you may be looking for, just reach out to Nicole on Facebook at Door Decor by Nicole. Or go to her Etsy store at Decor Door Boutique. She'll be able to help design and create the perfect piece to hang in your home 
or to show that special someone you're not as weird as your Tinder profile makes you out to be. So what are you waiting for? The future Mrs. K fade, she just might be out there, and Door Decor wants to help. Like and search now. And there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Dave 5 50 News Report. Next week's Dave 5 will be taking a little hiatus as I'll have a special two-part pay-per-view throwback chronicling 30 years of Survivor Series history. More pro wrestling talk is on the way. So, Ken, without further ado, back to you. I love you. That was good stuff, man. So many things to get into, and I want to piggyback what you were talking about in the news. Uh, you know, possibly, again, let, let's like, you know, and if you want to talk about player things, it's on the table. Again, 347-838-915 is the number to call. Um, like I said earlier, this is a no-holds bar. This is a Falls Count Anywhere show tonight. You know, anything you want to bring up, we're willing to talk about. As far as the wrestling world, um, you know, we could sit here and talk about TNA, but who wants to hear that? Um, probably the, big, the biggest news to break Chris Jericho, man, who continues to reinvent himself, continues to um, think outside the box. Continue. I mean, the one thing I'll give Chris Jericho credit for is Chris Jericho does what he does, um, like, as a wrestling fan. It's almost like, an, and I, I'm not going to try and, like, crawl into Chris Jericho's brain, but it, it seems like he kind of does things where it's like, what would a wrestling fan want to see? Hey, what if I put a bunch of wrestlers and rock stars on a boat and cruise them around the Bahamas? Yeah. F yeah. Wrestling fans would want that. I'm going to do that. And and with with the news that broke this week, it you know, I don't know. Like when I look at Chris Jericho and I look at the WWE, um, and Chris Jericho is an all time great. And and anything that I say over the course of this show in reference to this is said with the utmost respect to Chris Jericho. Um, but what else can he do in the WWE? I, I'm not saying that there's not another program in the WWE. I'm not saying there's not anything left that he can make entertaining. Um, You know, he comes back and has a role at WrestleMania. It's going to be a great build. It's going to be an entertaining storyline. So in no way, shape, or form am I intimating that, you know, there's nothing positive he can bring to the WWE. Obviously there is. But when you think about the WWE and Chris Jericho, is there anything that he can do in the WWE that would set the wrestling world on fire? And I don't think there is. I don't really think that there's that match right now, as far as the roster goes in the WWE, where you could say, oh, Chris Jericho's coming back and he's wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Insert whoever you want in blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's that one match in the WWE that has the wrestling world like, oh, my God. Whereas I think him announcing that he's going after Kenny Omega um, kind of set the wrestling world on its ear, which is, is kind of cool. 
Um, I, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Dave, because, again, we are not going to shy away from controversy here, and I'm willing to put stuff out there where I don't give a shit what you think. And I'm just giving my opinions on things. We're not going to give – we don't give opinions on this show based on the IWC, based on what companies want you to say, based on anything. We give opinions on the show based on what we think watching things. And the one thing that strikes me with Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega is that I think Chris Jericho at this point in his career is a master at building drama, a master at working a program, an absolute genius at working a crowd. However, bell to bell, with all due respect, I think Chris Jericho has kind of taken a bit of a step back. And I think his matches with AJ Styles weren't what fans would have hoped they would have been. I don't know if his matches with Owens lived up to what the hype was, what we were expecting, bell to bell. So it's, it's interesting to me because I'm excited, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm pretty much purely a WWE guy. I don't watch a lot of stuff. I'll watch videos here and there. If someone tells me so-and-so had a great match, check it out. I'll find it online and watch it. But for the most part, as far as shows, I'll be the first to admit, like, for the most part, I'll watch Raw. I'll watch SmackDown. I don't watch other promotions beginning to end as far as their shows. Full disclosure, when I think about Jericho and Omega, I I also, as a fan, I think about something that's going to be a great build. I want to see what Chris Jericho does up until that match. Um, I want to see what he does because you can pitch and moan all you want, but WWE is the, the top of the mountain and most likely will always be. So what is Jericho going to do to get, to garner more interest, to garner that level of interest, to rival WWE interest? That has me eminently curious. But I do wonder when it comes time for the match, when it comes time for bell to bell, is this match going to deliver? And, and that's what, you know, when, when Bully Ray is on Busted Open and saying this match is bigger than anything you can book at a WrestleMania, I'm sorry. I call bullshit. With all respect in the world to Bully Ray and what he's accomplished, this is not bigger than a WrestleMania match because WrestleMania is WrestleMania and nothing's bigger in the world of pro wrestling. However, I'll give Jericho credit. He's given us maybe the biggest match besides a WrestleMania match, besides anything in the WWE. Uh, I think he's garnered interest across the board. And Jericho has a name that, you know, kids dig him, the IWC dig him, you know, older fans dig him, you know. So he's out somewhere. So he definitely can bring eyeballs onto this product that have not been there before. And that's what Jericho's role is. For me as a fan, um, 
and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. The one thing I think about, Dave, is this is big news, and this is really cool, and this is a, a guy that you think you know is going to ride out into the sunset in the WWE, an all-time great, definitely, without a doubt, an all-time great. But then he he kind of swerved us all, and he's going after Kenny Omega. Um, I'm really curious about the build, but as a fan, Dave, I do wonder what we're going to get bell to bell. I will say, first of all, I'm glad that you, on on this show's behalf, told the internet wrestling community and any other promotions what it you know t- told it like it is because we don't speak on behalf of anybody except our our very own opinions ourselves, especially um, when it goes towards the IWC and their poster boys over the years. Um, now, some of you listening to this who listen to this show are probably thinking, oh, great, he's going to trash Kenny Omega because he likes to trash guys on the IWC. Newsflash, I'm not going to do that, okay? But I'm not going to sit here and, and, and kiss his ass either and say he's the second coming in professional wrestling either, like most of the Internet does. Anytime he gets out there and has a match or cuts a promo or is just on TV in general, everyone thinks he's fucking great. And I think he's a hell of a performer. I think he's super talented. I think he's got a bright future. And I like what he's doing outside of the, you know, the, the WWE bubble. You know, he's trying to make New Japan pro wrestling relevant in the pro wrestling world. And not necessarily making it competition from WWE, but he's, He's trying to plant New Japan Pro Wrestling's flag in the United States and make them a player. And he wants to be the figurehead for that. And I got a ton of respect for him for doing that because let me tell you something. He's, he's, the, he's a hot commodity in the business. And he could, he could easily, easily go to WWE and take more money and do things not necessarily his way, but their way creatively and – you know he'll be a he'll be more financially stable than he currently is now, but he's not doing that, and he's going a different route. And I respect him for that. I respect his passion for that. Bell to bell, I'm kind of with you on that one, Ken. I will say that Jericho's matches in the last couple of years on WWE TV have been good, but I think a lot of times people overhype some stuff when they when they put two guys together. They overhyped. Um, AJ and Balor at the TLC pay-per-view. I thought it was a great match, but it wasn't no goddamn match of the year. It didn't get Dave Meltzer six stars, and it, it certainly wasn't the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, but Jericho's stuff with Owens and stuff with AJ Styles, I thought the stuff's been good, but not great. And obviously, Father Time will always win, but I still think Jericho's in pretty good shape. I agree with you. He's taking a little bit of a step back, but at the same time, I think he's made up for what some people may think he lost in the ring with his storytelling and with his, his, his genius way of being able to work the audience. You know, he's very old school. We're in an age in, in, in wrestling as fans where we can get information at our fingertips just like that. And sometimes wrestling fans spoil it for themselves and they still get mad with the results that they see on television, even after they know what's going to take place. But Jericho will work you. He worked a lot of people. I mean, trust me. I thought that match with Omega was going to take place on that, that rock and wrestling cruise he's going to do in the fall. And it's not. It's going to take place at Wrestle Kingdom. So, I mean, he's got a knack for staying relevant and finding different ways to, to 
keep himself relevant in the wrestling world. And I think this is a great way of keeping his brand relevant by going over to Japan and wrestling a guy as hot as Kenny Omega is. Um, I also think, and this is a small hunch, but with the way the structure is, at least for guys in WWE, and I'm not saying this applies to everybody, but I think Jericho going to wrestle Omega in Japan, depending on the success of that match, Okay, depending on how successful that does on pay-per-view and live streams and, and, and whatever the case is, I think it sets up potential for someday, and I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, I'm not saying it's going to happen a year from now, but someday certain contracted WWE talent being able to go over and do like a one-shot type of deal in New Japan and getting a decent payday and giving that brand American exposure as well as giving the WWE brand Japanese exposure. Um, I think we'll, I think we could eventually see something down the line where a guy like, let's just say not a Jericho, but maybe like an AJ styles, for instance, you know, in a few years, there's a huge dream match. Maybe he'll wrestle um, Okada at a wrestle kingdom in like three or four years. And maybe he'll do something with Omega for Cody Rhodes, maybe like a one-shot type of deal. Um, I, I mean, it's a long shot, but I think you never say never in wrestling, and I think there's a slight possibility, depending on the success of this with Jericho and Omega, seeing contracted guys from different organizations, especially WWE. I'm not saying everybody. It doesn't apply to everybody on that WWE roster, but certain guys could go over and work a match in Japan like a one-shot kind of deal. So I'm very intrigued with the match. I'm not going to order the pay-per-view. I'll find it on YouTube somewhere. I'll stream it somewhere, whatever the case is. Um, but it's definitely got the wrestling world on its ear um, in terms of, uh, wow. It's got that vibe of, like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I never thought I would see something like this. Because for as, for as long as we've known it, Jericho has been tried and true WWE. He's always said, I'll wrestle WWE. If I ever wrestle, it's WWE. But... He's obviously, you know, changed his tune a little bit, and I don't think that's anything against WWE, but I think that's more or less to improve his brand, so to speak, in the pro wrestling world. So that's my take on the situation. Um, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing it, and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it leaves the door open for something with Omega and WWE down the line. I'm not saying immediately following, but maybe this will be something where if it works out between him and Jericho, they kind of – get that buzz and bring it over to WWE and WWE kind of puts their own spin on it. See, it's funny to say that because I, I tend to think that like, it's not going to be the WWE that something's going to happen in this match that we're going to be able to book the rematch on Jericho's cruise. Um, I, I think this will be like a, a cash grab that whatever tickets uh, Jericho isn't able to sell on that cruise. He's going to sell the, the rematch against Omega on the cruise. And um, that'll that'll definitely sell out the rest of the boat. It's just intriguing because, you know, it is something for me, which, again, is what you want to do. And kudos to Jericho. Um, for those of us who are primarily WWE fans, um, it's garnered interest elsewhere. Uh, it's garnered interest in Japan. And it's something that, um, I do want to see. However, it, it it is kind of a split for me because 
I, I don't I, – and, again, it's, it's all due respect to Chris Jericho because I do think he's an all-time great, and I think he's, a, he's an interesting debate as far as where exactly you slot him in as far as ranking him all-time. Um, however, I, I think right now, for me, with the way Chris Jericho is, uh, his talent, what good at is the build. And and the, the the character development and the storytelling, um, but the bell to bell has kind of taken a step back. And you know, do we see bell to bell in this match that uh, Jericho's master storytelling coupled with Omega's great physical talent that Jericho can kind of help Omega with the storytelling? And Omega can kind of compensate for Jericho's physical. Again, father time, and good for him. He can do far more in the ring than I can ever hope and pray to do. So take with a grain of salt when I'm saying he's slowing down in the ring. Um, but, you know, we've led into these matches. Um, I think physically these matches have lacked a little bit. When you look at, like, things – when you look at stuff – you know, let's look at AJ Styles. And when you look at AJ Styles and what he's done post-Jericho, um, his best work has been post-Jericho. Physically, in the ring. Jericho is a master storyteller, but I do wonder if this match is going to be able to deliver physically once the match comes, comes to fruition. Um, it, it's an interesting uh, thing to look at. I'm excited as a wrestling fan for the Bills. And what we do from this point on, uh, moving into this match, and I am eminently curious how this match will play itself out. I do. I'm not one of those wrestling fans. I think you're kind of in the same boat, Dave. Where I'm not. I'm not a wrestling fan that's sitting here saying, "Wow, this is a slam dunk five star match." I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. I hope they kind of have the chemistry, and, and I wonder if, if Jericho can get to a place to, to pull this match off. And that, that's kind of where I'm at um, when I think about the physicality of, of it. But I am curious to see the build, and he's piqued my curiosity, uh, if nothing else, in, in at least checking this match out. And, and as mentioned, you know, we look at, you know, right now, AJ Styles, the current WWE champion, where, you know, he broke in, he was wrestling Jericho. I think, to me, AJ Styles has done his best work since then. But right now, you know, I I think when we look at Survivor Series moving forward, that there's been some really great stuff building towards Survivor Series, but there's, there's some stuff that I think leaves you scratching your head. And... For me as a fan, and I love AJ Styles, and I'm not saying that AJ Styles did not deserve a run with the WWE Championship at some point again. Um, AJ, again, when you go back to the Chris Jericho stuff, I was one of those fans that wondered if AJ was ever going to be able to mesh in the WWE world. Was he ever going to be able to really get there? Because I didn't think those matches with Jericho were really, really gelled. And I wondered if AJ was going to be able to hack it in the WWE. Again, all due respect to AJ. He proved proved that he can. 
he proved that now, like, as he's gotten into the WWE, um, the guy could have, like, I would love to get in the ring with AJ because I feel like he could make me, even me, look like a million bucks. A- AJ's a professional. AJ's a guy that can get in there. And, uh, you know, the old saying with Ric Flair, you know, Ric Flair can make a broom. Um, I think AJ Styles is at that point where he can make anybody look good. And if you're a wrestler, you want to get in the ring with AJ. However, that all being said, it's not to say that AJ doesn't deserve the WWE Championship. It's to say that I don't, I don't get the direction right now, creatively speaking. Um, was the Jinder Mahal build a home run? No. I think we're being delusional if we said it's a home run. Um, was it a, a solid extra base hit? Yeah, I think it was. I think they gave us something new with, with Jinder. And I was very intrigued by Jinder versus Brock Lesnar. Very intrigued. How are they going to book this? And then I look, doing the show, working in the business, um, you know, doing my the shows that I've, I've been able to be a part of. Um, I'm sorry, man, but that, that's where my brain goes. You know, how is it going to be booked? And and for me as a fan, it's fun for me. It's fun for me to fantasy book. It's fun for me to wonder what they're going to do. The curtain's been, been pulled back. We've seen Oz. So I kind of like to think about, well, what's creative thinking? What direction they're going to go? I was very intrigued by Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar and how exactly they were going to book this match where they were going to go post this match. And I find right now, is, is AJ Styles a better wrestler than Jinder Mahal? Absolutely. If you, want to, if you want to debate who deserves it more, you want to tell me AJ Styles deserves the WWE Championship more than Jinder Mahal, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, even, I'll take you at that. I'll buy that. However, for me as a fan, I thought the story – of Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar was a much more intriguing story and what exactly they were going to do there. AJ versus Brock doesn't intrigue me as much. It it doesn't have me guessing as much. Will it be a more entertaining match? It's a good possibility that it will be. Um, Can AJ do a lot more physically? Then Jinder Mahal, absolutely. There's no debating that. Um, I, I did, I, to me, and, and I really want to, because honestly, this is something that Dave and I did not discuss this before the program. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. Because there's, there's a couple things I didn't like about Jinder losing the belt. Number one, I just, again, like I just said, I found the storyline story more intriguing with Jinder going against Brock as opposed to AJ. Number two, losing the belt overseas, and there being kind of spoilers where you're, you hear that he lost the belt hours before SmackDown even airs, um, taking the wind out of the sails, so to speak, that you have this guy, this new guy, who out of nowhere is holding the WWE Championship, and you hear kind of the spoilers that he, he lost. Um I wasn't crazy about it. 
I, I didn't like it. So I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I don't know. Again, it, it's intriguing that when we speculate on Survivor Series and we're getting to our picks, obviously, next week. But um, I don't know, Dave. Like, I, I just wasn't crazy about it. Again, I like AJ. And I like AJ as a WWE champion. I just found myself more intrigued with what was going to happen with Jinder versus Brock. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on this build towards Survivor Series, especially looking at Jinder Mahal losing that belt. I will say that um, I wasn't I wasn't very um, hyped up for Jinder and Brock. Um, the only intrigue for me was how how was how are they going to creatively not derail or halt or even bury to a degree WWE champion who is grow as Rocky would say, has grown into that role in Jinder Mahal while at the same time making sure that Brock is Brock and there's that myth of Brock being this, this beast and this monster. Um, because, you know, to be quite honest with you, as a fan, when I saw it, I was like, Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar, it's just they didn't look like two equals to me. Everyone else that Brock has gone up against, to me, has looked like an equal. And Jinder has really grown into this role. And I think, if, if for me personally, if Jinder was still champion now and he had maybe six more months or maybe even, you know, another eight, 12 more months, like another year, and, and, and kind of going through this developing and build in his character, and then they decided to go up against Brock, then I'd kind of buy it. But I didn't really buy it too much. Now, on one hand, this is how fickle wrestling fans are, okay? And I may be fickle myself at times, but this is how fickle fans are based off of the activity I've seen on, on message boards regarding the gender-Brock matchup that was supposed to take place. On one hand... You put those. You you you're, you try to create these two as equals because one is the heavyweight champion of each brand. Yet at the same time, WWE creative isn't exactly helping that matter when they're allowing Paul Heyman to go on TV and basically say gender doesn't belong in the same sentence as Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, John Cena, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, Triple H, all the greats that have held that WWE championship. So creative is kind of in a way book themselves into a corner here where they've where they've made their WWE champion look inferior to the universal champion Brock Lesnar. Now, if you want them to be on the same level and especially with this brand versus brand rivalry at Survivor Series, then you can't let Jinder's opponent's manager say something like that about him on TV. But then again, at the same time, if you realistically look at it as a wrestling fan, I don't, I don't blame wrestling fans as to why they feel that this match shouldn't have happened and Jinder is no equal to Brock, and why are they even toying around with this idea? So, I mean, it's, it, it, you kind of draw a fine line when it comes to the two of them in this match. Like I said, the only intrigue I had was how is Jinder going to come out of this without being looked at like a joke going up against a guy the stature of Brock Lesnar. How's that character going to survive following Brock Lesnar? Because Brock goes away till WrestleMania season. Ginger's going to be back on TV. So there was that, that that I took into account. 
Um, from what I understand, from what I've read, and it's all hearsay because it's a dirt sheet, this move was made because there wasn't a whole lot of buzz going into it, and the ratings had an had a effect on it. The, the week before on the Halloween episode of SmackDown, they lost half a million to three-quarters of a million viewers from the prior week, and they took a huge ratings hit. Now it's Halloween night. Parents are out with their kids trick-or-treating, so I really didn't understand why they, they took that ratings dip so seriously. But nonetheless, it was a cause for concern for them. It was enough for them to say, all right, got to pull the plug on this experiment right now and move Jinder out of this because him and Brock is just not going to work. So that's why they did the title change, apparently, with AJ. Now, the third reason I heard that this took place is got to, a lot to do with the upcoming tour of India in the beginning of December. Jinder was originally scheduled to go into that tour as the WWE champion and defend that title against Kevin Owens. But two things. Number one, him going back to his homeland as the champion isn't as appealing as him going back to his homeland trying to reclaim his championship. So I think AJ getting the title, part of me thinks this is a short-term deal. Part of me thinks that he goes over to India and drops the title to Jinder, and Jinder wins the belt in his home country, and they make a huge deal of it. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought a camera crew there and they filmed the match, and you could somehow watch it on the network, or they'll show clips of it on SmackDown the following week when they come back, which then sets them up for Clash of Champions, which was the original uh, plan for AJ and Jinder in December in Boston at Clash of Champions. However... If there's not enough for what I uh, on the subject that I've spoke of, Triple H is now involved in this situation somehow. Triple H went on social media challenging Jinder Mahal to a match in India, obviously non-title. So it makes me wonder: Does Jinder beat AJ somehow in the next couple of weeks and bring the title over to India and defend against Triple H, or does he beat AJ? in India the first night because it's a two-night tour and then defends the title the following night against Triple H. To me, I feel like they they I wouldn't say that they that they pulled the plug on this experiment entirely with Ginger. I still think that they have plans and they want to do something serious with him and this wasn't just some flash in the pan kind of thing. But the direction they're going in is is like you would like to say Ken muddied at best. Yeah, and I guess, I guess that's part of it, that I just I look at this and, I mean, I guess, like, well, you know, if it, if it comes to it, does AJ give Brock a better match? Yeah, I guess probably. I, I just, you know, as a fan, and I don't know what I'm thinking right now. It's just kind of, I, I just was more intrigued with what the gender uh, Brock situation would have had to offer. And let's go out to the phones, because... Uh, there's someone back on the line, 732 number that uh, left us and is back. So let's go out to the phones. Caller, are you there? Yes, it's Andrew from SNIK 101. On the hey, B-plus what's going Network. on, brother? Hey, how's everything going? I, sorry I had to leave before I had anything uh, to do, but I was listening. Uh, so how's it going there? Uh, it's going good. No problem. Thanks for calling. What do you got for us? Uh, no, I was listening to what you were saying about Ginger Mahal and I uh, it was pretty interesting what you guys were talking about, you know, bringing in AJ and, and all that other stuff. So, you guys, you guys saw the, you guys when I left, you guys were talking about the Ric Flair documentary. Did you see the uh, WWE story time where they they actually brought up the airplane story too? 
Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think I saw the one. It was one of the first ones, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I do remember um, seeing that. And, and it's intriguing. I'm curious your, your thoughts on it. Uh, you saw the 30 for 30. Um, I guess overall, what did you think of the 30 for 30? And um, your thoughts on, on Ric Flair and, and his sexual exploits? I mean, is it is society just hypersensitive? Is it something to look into? What are your thoughts? Well, uh, first, I thought the piece was uh, was brilliant. Uh, seemed pretty honest. Um, you know, wasn't really trying to hold anything back. Um, you know, it kind of matches up a little, a little bit with the WWE narratives and their DVDs that they put out in the past about Ric Flair. And um, I mean, look, it's no secret that he had the history, and nobody, I don't think, has ever really, you know, said anything, you know, bad about you know what he's done. You know, unless it was consensual, right? So, you know, I thought I thought the thing was brilliant, and uh, you know, a lot. I thought the feedback I saw a lot of good feedback from the thirty for thirty. You know, yeah, and I I thought it was well done too. I thought it was was a good documentary. I I mean, I I thought that the documentary, which was intriguing, um, that you know they told a lot of stories that I I had heard already. Um, Mm -hmm. What what struck me the most with the documentary is actually Rick himself. Um, Mm -hmm. Having Rick there and um, having him be interviewed and having him um, be asked very pointed questions. um, You know, I do think that you could, you know, there, you could look at this documentary as, you know, a documentary on the greatest wrestler of all time, or it's a documentary of uh, a broken man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when Brick was talking at the end, I thought that he uh, he wasn't necessarily like you know super positive on the the path his life took, and and I thought it was eye opening at the end where he said, you know, I'll take being the best wrestler of all time because I definitely wasn't the best father or the best husband. Um, so as a wrestling fan, you know, you look to over-glorify Ric Flair. But to me, I had kind of a bittersweet feel coming out of the documentary that, you know, even Rick has uh, a certain level of regret as far as how his life um, was led. And he he revels in the fact of being, if not the best, close to the greatest ever, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of regret when you look at Ric Flair and him talking about his life, which which struck me. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I mean, there's no human on earth that doesn't have some regret either. If you look at the movie The Wrestler, you know, how glorified was he? And then at the same time, you, you touched on it, you know, he was broken, you know, at the end. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty good, and it told a, you know, a true story, and, and you know, I'm kind of hoping that they do some more with uh, WWE and those kind of things. So yeah, I, I agree with you. The last there's, one. There's, yeah, there's so many. Like, I mean, wrestling business is such an interesting business. Uh, there's there's a lot you could touch on, a lot of different wrestlers that would be a great subject for a, a documentary. Before I let you go, I, I just want to, yeah. you know, get your take. Um, your thoughts on, on Jinder losing the belt? Moving into AJ Styles, AJ versus Brock Lesnar. Your thought on that whole situation? Uh, what are your thoughts going into Survivor Series? 
Uh, first off, I love uh, Mahal as champion. I thought he was awesome. Uh, I, I kind of see, you know, a value of an outside fan uh, seeing Brock Lesnar versus Mahal because, you know, that, that guy was a jobber, you know, for most of his career up until this run. So, I mean, it does make sense. You know, you're trying to make it prestigious against Survivor Series, so why not put him against a guy like AJ Styles in a, in a dream match? Especially, if you're, you know, they hammer this thing is with, like, Raw and SmackDown being the only time this year, you know, only time they're going to face each other. Why not give them the best matches, you know, on both sides? So, I think uh, I think you're going to see Mahal as champion again. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be around the India tour or whatever, like you guys have touched on. But, yeah, I think... Uh, I think it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to the the tag team, the five five on five, and uh, the three man, ta- uh, the six man tag with the New Day and the Shield. So hopefully, you know, it'll be a great card. Good stuff, man. Thanks for giving us a call tonight. And, and before I let you go, if, if fans want to listen to your show, how we can how can we listen? Okay, well, basically, you just go on YouTube and you type in Wrestling IQ 101, and uh, you can go on here here on the B Plus Player Radio. And, um, you know, we come out every Wednesday. Um, we've had Pete Gass, that's our current guest. We went backstage at Jersey All-Pro with Matt Riddle uh, and had a lot of the superstars that were on that card, that Jersey All-Pro uprising. And, yeah, you can hear Robbie E., Mark M. Haggerty, and a plethora of other people. Very cool, man. Check them out. Thanks a lot for the call. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, I do well. Take it easy. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting stuff, Dave, because it's like you have, like, guys who, uh, you know, gender definitely was, uh, you know, a unique choice to be to be champion. But I get kind of what he was saying that, uh, you know, if you're going to give a Survivor Series, and, and we touched upon it on this show, like, you know, Survivor Series being the forgotten pay-per-view, um you know, again, as a fan, and I'm willing to, to listen to all sides, and I, I'm saying I, I kind of don't – I was more intrigued with Jinder uh, going against Brock Lesnar, but maybe when you're trying to sell us on the brand split, maybe the right move is to give that belt to AJ Styles, and who knows? Do we get a five-star match out of AJ versus Brock Lesnar? That's intriguing to look at. So, you know, maybe that's the way they're looking at it and saying we're going to put over Survivor Series – Let's let's give him a five star match with AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar. Who knows? But I did think Dave that, that was an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I I'll be honest with you, I I've enjoy, I've enjoyed his run as champion, and he like like Rocky says, and he, I'll repeat it again because it's a great point. He's grown into that role. When we first you know saw him as WWE champion, we were all scratching our heads like, what the hell? are they doing i mean you know he comes from out of nowhere and like i've said it it's very reminiscent of when jbl had the run with the belt in the beginning i didn't take him seriously either but he has grown on me as a performer and as the champion um but if i talk if if we talk bell to bell here um i mean it's gonna it's kind of hard for me to not be invested in brock and aj i think aj could take a beating better than jinder could and i think you know, AJ getting thrown around and suplexed by Brock and the, the, and I don't know if that's how they're going to book it, but the David versus Goliath kind of aspect with the size difference, I think that's much, I think that's more appealing than, you know, Brock, who is an established champion against Jinder Mahal, who is, you know, 
new and newly crowned WWE champion who, as Paul Heyman quoted as saying, is he's not even he's not even, you know, an equal to Brock. He's not even shouldn't even be spoken in the same sentence as the greats who have held the belt. So I mean, when you put down when he puts down his opponent like that, to me it was like, Well, why do I want to see this match if he's not even worth Brock's time fighting? Whereas AJ's a different story. So um but I, I, I think like the, our caller there, I think Brock, or I'm sorry, Jinder will definitely have a run with the belt. They'll do something of importance with him again because I think he has shown that he can be a player um, at the top of the card for WWE. Yeah, and I guess that's just it. Like seeing, you know, where he's booked at this point and, and how they use him because – Again, I don't. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I admire Jinder. I do. I, I think what Jinder did um, to come out of the the, the dregs of being a, a enhancement talent, of uh, being a jobber, um, a guy that uh, you know. I, you look. Find me if I'm wrong. Find me the wrestling fan that saw Jinder Mahal as a main event. I'll wait. Because I don't think anybody did. I think you could almost borderline go 100% across the board, wrestling fans. Nobody saw Jinder Mahal as a main eventer. And, and this guy went out and worked his ass off. And, you know, people could speculate, you know, what chemicals might be, might he be taking but you know what? At this point, he's passing the wellness test. He's good. So I got to believe whatever he's doing, you know, is hard work. If he fails a drug test, we'll address that at that time. But I'm, I'm the type of person that, whatever, if you didn't fail a test, God bless. And that rhymes. It's a good slogan. If you don't fail a test, it's a near rhyme. If you don't fail a test, God bless. So I'm not going to sit here and speculate and someone doesn't deserve something because, number one, anybody, anybody who's going to sit on your ass and say that someone doesn't deserve something, well, man, that, that's freaking ballsy. Like, who are you to say who, uh, another human being deserves or doesn't deserve something? So, you know, to me, like, for him, man, he worked his ass off. He got his physique in a place that – you know, in, in the you know the the small like one percent of society that could actually get their bodies to look like that, um, you know, good for him, man. And he put himself in the main event picture. Um, I dig it. I, I I can I admire what Jinder Mahal did. Um, I admire you know his ascension to the top, and I got to give props to Creative for for deciding to take a chance on someone different. I think that's cool. Um, I wonder how they're going to keep him in the vein event picture. Um, I would love to see him with that title again. Uh, I would love to see him. Look, if he's a guy that um, is not a main event player going forward, I hope he gets a prominent role. You know, I mean, we've talked about it on this show, man, that, that uh, you know, back in the day, like, the wrestling we grew up on, if you're a mid-carder, but you're a great mid-carder, well, that that, that was admirable. Um, you know, and I, and I give all the props in the world right now to what Miz is doing. Miz is, is, a, is a great mid-carder. 
and is holding down that mid-card. So if Jinder does not ascend again, but they give him a good role in the mid-card, I'm cool with that. But I, to me, I think Jinder is in a position where creative should use him in a prominent role, whether it's holding down the mid-card or whether it's main event status. I think Jinder Mahal has proven himself to be in a position to not be a jobber, to be someone who should be part of a significant storyline. Um, and when we look at this, it begs the question when we, you know, we're heading into next weekend Survivor Series, and, and I, I think some of the build has been good, some of it's been wonky. I just touched upon it. Miz, damn, man, I mean, look, there are many shows you can have more negativity throwing Miz's way uh, than this show. But, man, that dude is, is hitting it on all cylinders right now. And good for him because he strikes me as that old-school mid-card heel that is just holding it down. And especially on Raw when the champ is not there every week. Uh, Miz has just been awesome. And, and he has been owning Baron Corbin, which gets me excited for this brand versus brand uh, Survivor Series. So, I mean, as we get set for Survivor Series and we got, like, Less than four and a half minutes left, Dave. Um, I think the build's been good, not great, but I'm optimistic heading into next weekend. Um, I'm optimistic heading into Raw and SmackDown this week. Um, I like what I've seen, and, and we've touched upon it a few times here on the show. As far as the big four, I don't think there's any, any question that Survivor Series was the forgotten one of the big four, I would, I would kind of shift the script a little bit and I would call, and I said it uh, earlier on, on previous shows, I would call this paper almost like the survivor series and put something on the line. So it was almost like a point system. So the whole pay-per-view counts as a series and whatever brand wins the most matches, number one draft pick, whether it's something else. Um, I think, Dave, you hit upon it like a main event at WrestleMania. Whatever it is, I think that would be cool. So it kind of loans itself to the pay-per-view as a whole is the Survivor Series, and you have a couple matches that are the quote-unquote traditional Survivor Series matches. Um, I, I would love to see the WWE move in that direction in the future. But that all being said, you know, as we get set for next weekend and looking at Survivor Series, Dave, when you look at the forgotten pay-per-view, I think if, if you want to go hit or miss, fine. But I do feel like there's probably more positive heading into Survivor Series um, than negative, at least this time around, Dave. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, too. I mean, I think there is more positive than negative, not just this year, but even last year, too, when they started this brand versus brand rivalry. Um, I've kind of enjoyed the buildup. I liked when they, you know, when Raw was under siege. I liked the New Day involvement, and it's eventually going to set up them in the Shield. I think that's going to be a really cool match. Um, I kind of wish there were more traditional Survivor Series matches than just the, the male and the female. I was kind of hoping maybe they would have, like, you know, um, the champions, captain team. So, like, Miz will captain a team as the Intercontinental Champion for Raw, and Corbin does for SmackDown. Same thing with the tag champs. 
I'm a little disappointed that the Usos and the Shield aren't going to go at it because that was the match I was really looking forward to out of them all. But the Shield and New Day, that's going to be a fun match. I'm kind of looking forward to that. And the Usos and the Bar, that should be a good tag team match too. So overall, I've dug it. I'm not like the internet, and I'm going to say it because I know you love to hear me when I say it, but internet wrestling community, your opinions don't matter to me or to this show whatsoever, okay? You complain about the buildup between Raw and SmackDown, and, oh, they don't have any beef with each other, and then all of a sudden, the one time a year, they decide they want to fight each other. It's so stupid, and I'm turning it off, and I'm never going to watch again until next week. Shut up. Just shut up. Okay, you're going to enjoy Survivor Series. You're going to watch it. You're going to like it. And you're probably going to watch it again because you liked it so much. So that's what I have to say regarding next weekend Survivor Series. I'm looking forward to it. Your opinion doesn't matter. And yeah, <laughs> that's just awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. And the thing is, what I hope is, you know, this year you do have a lot of venom between the brands. And, I, and honestly, I, you know, if I'm going to give the internet wrestling community any credit, I, I hope it continues. I hope that Venom kind of continues. And, you know, next year when we're at Survivor Series, it, it makes a little bit more sense. But whatever. It's fun. It's wrestling. Again, the curtain's been drawn. We've seen Oz. So kind of get over yourself you know, when it comes to And just enjoy it. If you're going to watch wrestling, enjoy it. As I said earlier, guys, check out the Facebook page. Some scheduling stuff for next week. Not sure when we're doing the show, but we will give you our Survivor Series pre-show. For Dave, I am Ken. Have a great week. Take care, everybody.